Folks, with fall on the horizon here in Chico, there is nowhere better to spend an afternoon than the Handlebar. They have a happy hour seven days a week from 2 to 6 p.m. where you get a dollar off all of their draft beers. They have 28 on tap. They've got a gorgeous patio, a terrific food menu. Again, that's the Handlebar. If you've never been, they're located at 2070 East 20th Street. Again, right here in Chico on the south end of town. Go check out that happy hour. I promise you will not regret it. Why don't we begin? This is Fresh Hop Cinema. Hey, welcome to Fresh Hop Cinema. This is a craft beer and movie podcast and radio show based in Chico, California. I am Max Minardi. Johnny Summers here. We're back. We've been off the air for a few weeks, as you just sort of hinted at, Johnny. And to make up for it, we've got reviews of two movies this week. The first is a film from first-time director Adama Ibo called Honk for Jesus, Save Your Soul. It's a film starring Sterling K. Brown and Regina Hall as the pastor and his wife of a Southern Baptist megachurch looking ahead to reopening after having closed its doors due to sexual misconduct allegations against Sterling K. Brown's character, Lee Curtis Childs. We're also catching up with one of my most highly anticipated movies of the year with Marcel the Shell with shoes on. Uh, it's based on the 2010 viral video of the same name. The feature film comes to us by way of Dean Fleischer Camp, who also produced the video that introduced the world to this tiny little adorable shell. Uh, in the movie, after most of his community is carried away in a sock drawer, Marcel hopes to use the power of the internet and a documentary crew to reunite with his long-lost friends and family. Both films are currently available. Honk for Jesus is in theaters and streaming on Peacock, and Marcel is available for rent on most video-on-demand platforms, and we'll have our thoughts on both of them here shortly. But first, beer. That's right. Beers this week are coming from Sutter Buttes Brewing out of Yuba City, California. The first is going to be called Dragon Lady. It is a Kolsch, clocking in at 4.5%. The next is Off Center. It is a Hefeweizen that is 5.6%. That's right. If you're listening on KZFR 90.1 FM, we hope you're having a wonderful Thursday evening. As a quick heads up, you're only going to be hearing the first 30-ish minutes of our show today, which includes the first beer review and the spoiler-free portion of our discussion of Honk for Jesus, Save Your Soul. But if you are so inclined to listen to the show in its entirety, which includes spoilers for Honk for Jesus, a second beer review, our thoughts on Marcel the Shell, and Hot and Bothered, which is the portion of the podcast where we generally abandon formal structure and just talk about things that have us super stoked or kind of irritated, Johnny will tell you what to do. Well, yeah, you can find the show in its entirety on Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher, other apps that start with S, sure. Apple Podcast, <laughs> etc. We release new episodes every Friday morning at 7 a.m. Sometimes they're old episodes if I'm on vacation. Mm. Deal with it. Uh, we have been doing so since 2016. If you like the show, please leave us a five-star rating and or review on Apple Podcasts and let us know that you did so we can shout you out. To hang out with us on social media, search Fresh Hop Cinema on Twitter, Instagram, Letterboxd, or Untapped, or just head over to our website, mm -hmm. The Young Max Minority Made, freshhopcinema.com. All right, let's talk Patreon. Um, the, you, really quickly, if you don't know what Patreon is, it's a way to support our show for basically whatever amount of money you feel like you don't need and you want to put towards good cause. So you can choose to give us like a dollar per episode or three or five or ten or whatever your heart desires. Um, and you just go and in return, uh, we give you a warm, fuzzy feeling from supporting us. We also give you access to very fun bonus content, invites to special events, that sort of thing, and the occasional birthday shout out like Jared Schmidt, whose birthday is the 9th of this month, uh, which is, if you're listening to this episode, the day it drops, it's his birthday. So shoot Jared a text if you know him. If not, send your thoughts and prayers to him for being one year older, if you're into that sort of thing. 
That's oh, right. Or don't. <laughs> Thoughts and prayers, Jared. <laughs> yeah, happy birthday, man. Yeah. Uh, love you. Appreciate your support. Yeah. He's been killing it this year, too. Yeah, man. We um, He and I sat down most recently, and we uh, we talked about the movie Airplane, which is one of his all-time favorites. He's at a tier on Patreon where we sit down every so often and talk about stuff. Um, he's also been on the non-alcohol train for a little bit here, so we drank some beers from um, the brewery that I really like. Athletic. And, athletic Brewing. Um, and he and I are going to get together again pretty soon here, and we'll have another episode um, and I'm not going to even say the name of the movie cause it'll be a fun surprise. And that kid's down some significant LBs. Yeah. He's been killing it getting, yeah. uh, been really active about posting stuff and active in general. Yeah. He was always a sexy guy, but boy, I he's mean, really turned guy. it yeah. up to 11. He's looking great. Man. Uh, good on you, man. Proud um, of you. Yeah. And appreciate the support of a, of an alcohol podcast, despite not partaking yourself. That's a I pal. guess we're also a movie podcast. So at least we hit one of two, but plus we're uh, awesome. That's true. So I guess two of three. Um, anyways, that's Patreon in a nutshell. Jared, hope to talk to you soon. Thank you again for your support. Um, John, you got anything else on Patreon? Or are we kind of good there? I think we're there. Okay, then with housekeeping out of the way, Johnny Summers, we're talking a new brewery on the show this week. Yeah, boy. Sutter Buttes Brewing. Um, before we get into the beer specifically, do you want to fill me in on how you got these beers, where they're from, that sort of thing? Yeah, so I work, pardon me for opening that, mm. down in the Yuba City area fairly often. And as you know, I sell beer and I am trying to stay plugged in. Mm-hmm. Uh, and friend of the show, friend of mine, longtime friend from way back in the, the clubhouse and paradise days at Roundtable, mm. used to sell, oh, right. I used to sell him beer before we were even friends. Then he became friends with Keith Beck and my friend. And he's just been a good guy and been friends for a long time. Chad Rankin mm. is now working out at Sutter Buttes Brewing. And told me to swing on by, uh, and they have some guest handles, so we may be doing some work oh, cool. together soon. But uh, the long and short of it is, he asked if uh, he sent some beers with me, if we would maybe consider doing them on the show. And you know, it's a local brewery. Uh, I would go small cup. Yeah, you got it, man. Yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. This is the wrong cup for that. Yeah, I got you. Um, local brewery. Yeah, local brewery that we haven't done. Uh, it's just, I mean, in all fairness, it's not on my radar. So. Sorry, but it's just not. It is now. It is now, absolutely. Uh, And I'm happy that it is. I love checking out uh, local small breweries. But yeah, I I wanted to give them a fair shake and uh, met the owner. Uh, Obviously met with Chad, hung out for a bit. Uh, I did not try any of their beers to remain pure, untainted. Mm -hmm. And uh, I wanted to be completely objective. Uh, So that's, that's the long and short. Sweet. They sent me home with a few beers and wanted me to pick two. And I said, nay, sir, nay, <laughs> you do not put me on the spot. Like, how would you even, I guess you could go by the label. I mean, like, I'm going to go by which styles I like the best. Yeah. But I don't know if those are the ones that you do the best or the ones that you're right. most proud of. So I said, Chad, no. You pick. You pick. Yeah. I'm not picking. So the two that he picked were their Kolsch and their Hefeweizen. Yep. And I said, bold choices. But, uh, and he's, he's a listener of the show. He said, you guys, I don't remember the last time you guys did a half. I don't either. So... Fair play, Chad. So here we go. Dragon Lady Kolsch. It is 4.5%, 23 IBUs. Again, it is a Kolsch. It is a crisp German-style ale with mild bitterness and pronounced cereal grain flavors, making this one of their most popular beers during summer months. They say it is crisp and refreshing and pairs well with spicy foods. Yep, here's what they have on the can. Inspired by our friends at Beale Air Force Base, Dragon Lady Kolsch pays tribute to the men and women who fly and service one of the most iconic aircraft in history, the U-2 Dragon Lady. Dragon Lady Kolsch is a light and refreshing German-style ale. That's, I think, everything you just read. Uh, Subtle citrus notes, smooth and easy drinking, of course. 
Uh, Dragon Lady Kolsch is satisfying any time and perfect for relaxing after a long reconnaissance mission or just mowing the lawn. Prost. I like it. So Kolsch is a great man. Mm-hmm. Uh, the very old style, 1800s, more or less. You're a fan of Kolsch's. So am I. By and large, yes. You've tasted it. Mm-hmm. Give me your thoughts. Uh, so it checks a lot of the Kolsch boxes. You know, it is, it's crisp. It's got a little bit of that, like you said, like I said, actually. Like I said. As it was said. As was said. Yeah. The cereal malt. Uh, and sometimes Kolsch's get a little biscuity from that malt profile, which I, I do not mind. Uh, it, it's not too sweet. Uh, you know, and it, like I said, it checks a lot of those boxes. It's crisp. It's drinkable. Uh, it's a liquid, so it qualifies. You know, the basics. Uh, on to the, the finer points of tasting, though. There is a pleasant right up front. It's nice. It's it's smooth. Definitely feels easy drinking. Uh, not too sweet, not too bitter. But then on the finish, I get like a bitter twinge right in the last like 75% of the drinking experience into like the aftertaste that is more bitter than I'm used to out of a Kolsch. And I haven't made up my mind if it's undesirable or off-putting or mm-hmm. if it's just, you know, part of a the surprise profile. Yeah. Yeah. But that's my take thus far. I want to go back in for another sip. You've you've sampled the wares. What are your thoughts? Kolsch's are a tricky one for me because there's, there's such a nuanced beer when done well. Like, I, I almost feel like the point of a Kolsch is to be as... as um, multi-layered but subtle as possible. And I, off the bat, my impression is that this isn't terribly subtle. There's there's some bitterness. I know what you're meaning by that. But I also do pick up quite a bit of sweetness that I wasn't expecting and I'm not sure that I love. Um, there's a really great sense of carbonation. The body's really light. Um, but the first thing that hits me is 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 sort of a cereal sweetness. Like it, it kind of borders on a, on a bready or grainy kind of sweet that I wish were a little bit more understated. But isn't an off flavor or anything like that? It's not something I don't enjoy. Uh, it's just a little more obvious than I would look for if I'm going to start nitpicking, which I think is the right thing to do for a beer like a Kolsch. Yeah, because there's not much to, to hide behind. There's no. it's a really it's an an honest maker. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. This this beer will will really strip away any any subtleties that you might be hiding behind with hops or anything like that. Mm-hmm. No, there's there's not much else going on. It's a very I don't want to say simple because it's an understatement. That's not yeah, the case. Right. But it's it's a straightforward style, man. Mm-hmm. Where yeah, it's like any lager or ale. Yeah, a lot of people know that, but a Kolsch, like I think Kolsch's get lumped in as being as being lagers, uh, which comes down to the way they are made and the way they're fermented, but but a traditional Kolsch. And by the way, if you didn't know, Kolsch is is technically a bit like champagne, which is to say that you're not technically champagne unless you're from the Champagne-Noir region of France. Technically, to be a Kolsch, you have to be from that region, uh, I think the Cologne, Germany. You ever had a Kolsch? From- yeah. Yeah. That was a spot that I really love in Reno. Kraft does a really good job of importing beers, hmm. especially traditional German styles. Bring back a real mm. German Kolsch from- I will. I would love to, yeah. to do that. Um, that said, I think the difference between champagne, like, like grapes are such a regionally specific thing, where I think this is more the tradition of brewing it. So you can get away with making- for all intents and purposes, a real quote unquote Kolsch in America. Um, and now I don't remember where I was going with that, but, uh, this is really good, man. I think the four and a half percent ABV is a really respectable mark for a Kolsch. That's kind of what you should be aiming for. There's a lot that I really like. It's just not quite as nuanced as I would hope for a, like what could have been a world-class Kolsch. I think Kolsch's are held to a really high standard and this is really good so far. Um, but I'm going to, I'm going to dive in again and see if I can pinpoint, 
anything more specific? It's a solid first impression of this brewery. I, I, I like it. I don't think I love it. Mm-hmm. There's definitely some things about the the aftertaste and kind of the finish that that bitterness comes out of, of left field. And if it's going to be kind of a more hoppy experience, mm-hmm. I'd love to have it more throughout. But the fact that it just kind of comes in from left field on the finish is is not quite what I expected from a Kolsch. Given my sample size for Kolsch specifically mm-hmm. is, I would say, moderate. Uh, yeah. I've, I've had maybe 30-ish or 35-ish different Kolsch. Probably more, dude. Probably, but those are the ones you know, yeah. I get comfortable to say yeah. I've had that range. And a lot of them are more balanced, and I prefer that in this style, to just have a yeah. little bit more balance. But like I said, I, I like it. I don't love it. I think it's a solid beer. Yeah, for a long time. And I'm going to remind people that the IBU rating on this is 23. And for some reference, the half of Eisen we're doing later is 10. Uh, for a long time, the IBU scale, I, I feel, was kind of assumed to be 0 to 100. And then over the past maybe 10 years, or at this point, maybe 15 years, as more aggressive IPAs have kind of taken over in popularity in the market, that scale has seemed to slide higher almost indefinitely. Like I remember when I first had a beer that was over 100. I think it was like 155 IBUs. Jeez. It was Simtra from Knee Deep okay. back in the day, like 2000 and maybe 13. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you think of it, though, as more traditional being 0 to 100, 23 is not nothing. So I really like that they're acknowledging the bitterness. Mm-hmm. In the description you read, they said mild bitterness. And I think that's being generous if you think bitterness is a bad quality. I think this is moderately bitter, which on paper is not necessarily what a coal should be. That said, it's not bad. Mm-hmm. It, it is just very specific in terms of that bitter flavor. Mm-hmm. And I can see that putting people off a little bit. It doesn't put me off in the way that is putting you off, I don't think. What is for me is the sweetness. Hmm. See, I wouldn't call the beer as sweet as you probably. There, there's a delineation between the bitter experience you're getting on the back end versus the sweetness that I'm getting throughout. And I think it's easy when you want to just lock in to, because I agree with you, the bitterness happens right at the end. And I think it is sort of a hoppy bitterness. But the sweetness is just kind of a through line. And it's not overtly sweet. It's not overpowering. Like I can still pick up on that bitterness just fine. But I just wish it were a little bit cleaner. Because the sweetness seems to be the feature until the bitterness takes over. You know what I mean? Yeah. It, it goes from sweet to bitter in a very rapid sort of shift. Totally. Which I think is more a testament, if you want to call it that, to the bitter spike that happens. Mm-hmm. But again, like not not bad, just just not indicative of a traditional Kolsch, I don't think. That's Still, fair. wildly wildly tasty, drinkable, light, quenching even. Uh, there's, there's a reason you and I keep going back for more mm-hmm. in the course of this like six minutes we've been talking about it. Yeah. Uh, it's a super tasty beer, stylistically maybe not perfect, but still very enjoyable, if you ask me. So, Sutter Butte's Colch, first impressions of their brewery. How does this beer rate for you? Dude, I'm optimistic. Yeah, I think it's a pretty solid beer. Uh, I do, I don't know, maybe it's just because I've been reading a little bit more about Colch's today, but I'm feeling more analytical about it stylistically. And I'm, I'm going to take a step back because that's not usually how I rate beers. So I'm going to try to take that out of the equation. I think it's a solid seven. That might be slightly high. I'm going to stick with it because I feel optimistic about it. I think it's a, it's an enjoyable beer. It's a seven for me. That's fair. What about you? Dragon lady. You know, my first thought was like, this is, this is like mid fives, but then, you know, I kept drinking it. It's, it grew on me. It's definitely a a pleasant beer. Mm -hmm. It's, it's something I would grab again, especially knowing it's, it's pretty readily available. Um, Yeah. Is it around in Chico? Do you know? No, it is not. Okay. The brewery is easily accessible. Mm -hmm. Um, 
you know, it, it really grew on me and I did keep going back for sips and it is a little imbalanced, mm-hmm. but it's enjoyable. It's a s- strong showing for, for what it is. I'm going to give it a six, eight. Yeah, it's good rating. Uh, if anybody listening is curious to try it, reach out. I'm sure we can get our hands on more and we'd be happy to hook you up with it. Uh, but do you, for now, dude, do you have anything else on Dragon Lady Kolsch from Sutter Buttes? No, I think I'm good. Okay, then once again, you're listening to Fresh Hop Cinema, possibly on a Thursday evening on KZFR 90.1 FM. If you do get a chance to try Dragon Lady uh, through us or other means, uh, or any beers from Sutter Buttes for that matter, take a photo of it. Why not? Take a photo of yourself drinking it, posing with it, whatever you want to do. Tag us on Instagram at fresh underscore hop underscore cinema. Think we got this wrong? Think we got it right? You have a beer or brewery you think we should review? Sure, sure. Uh, message us. We're not hard to get a hold of. Hit us up on Instagram or send an email to fhccast at gmail.com and let us know. And hey, if you like the show, leave a rating on Apple Podcasts, but yeah. only if it's five stars. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it takes two seconds and it helps other people discover the show. Next, what you're going to hear is a trailer for Honk for Jesus, Save Your Soul. We're going to review that in the next segment with no spoilers, so don't worry. I just want to clarify some things before we... <sighs> Before we get started, every woman is not built for the great responsibility of being a first lady. Pastor Lee Curtis Childs faces allegations of misconduct. His megachurch may never be the same. Lee Curtis and I, we're going to get to the other side. You there. Yeah, with the big old microphone. Come in closer, son. You're going to see what all the fuss is about. (laughs) Showtime. What's up? Fresh is our turn, baby. Lee Curtis is a talent, a star. Oh, boy. Uh, we can edit around that, right? This is going to chronicle the ultimate comeback. I'm Rocky up in this fight. <clears throat> Rocky didn't win. But he did win in Rocky too. Lord, baby, how many times I got to tell you get past the first movie? That was all set up. He is just so wrong. <laughs> he needs someone to harness it all. <laughs> Oh, bless your heart. I'm sure plenty of the old congregation will come right on back through good old Wands of the Greater Pat's door. <laughs> <laughs> you have a blessed one. Oh, my goodness. And you have a blessed... I'm a sinner, but I'm no criminal. We need you back in that pulpit so you can get me back on that stage. You ain't really getting that many babes, baby. Shake it for the Lord. All those folks out there who are going to see this, I want them to know that I did what I was supposed to do. I just don't see how that's possible. All all things are possible with God. That's that's Matthew 19, 26. Yes, it is. Well, if you're just joining us, you're listening to Fresh Hop Cinema, a show about the worlds of craft, beer, and film. If you're listening on the radio waves of KZFR 90.1 FM, you're only going to be hearing the first half of our show on the radio today. But if you'd like to hear the whole thing, go subscribe to Fresh Hop Cinema on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. It'll be available to stream tomorrow morning at 7 a.m. wherever you get your podcasts, like I said. So at the end of this, if you just can't get enough of us, please go listen. And what you just heard was a trailer for our first of two movies this week, Honk for Jesus, Save Your Soul. In the aftermath of a huge scandal, 
Trinity Childs, played by Regina Hall, the first lady of a prominent Southern Baptist megachurch, attempts to help her pastor husband, Lee Curtis Childs, played by Sterling K. Brown, rebuild their congregation. That is the internet synopsis, of course, from the movie Johnny Just Said. It was directed by Adama Ebo and a Dan Ebo, better known as the Ebo Twins. Though I don't know if better known is quite the right turn of phrase because this is the first feature-length film by the Ebos. This is a screenplay by Adama with a story also Adama based on the 2018 short film of the same name. Runs about 15 minutes. I have not seen it. Didn't know it existed. Um, but from what I understand, very similar to this, just a lot shorter. Um, a couple things to shout out here. Uh, number one, cinematography by Alan Gwidowski. Gwidowski. Oh, I messed it up. I thought I had it. Gwizdowski. Gwizdowski. Thank you. Uh, this was released at Sundance in January and then came to wide release on September 2nd. It runs an hour and 42 minutes. And um, we can maybe talk about other players in the cast, but the two that I listed were the most important ones by far. And the other thing I wanted to note are the people that decided to produce this. Which are they are people of note. I do. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, now, neither of these names you might know off the top of your head, but 59% Productions is the production company started by Daniel Kaluuya. Uh, I believe it was last year, but I could be wrong. And then Monkey Paw Productions, which has done a few other things, which was started by Jordan Peele. Um, so backed by some pretty big names these days. Um, I was stoked for this, man. I was really excited to see it. I love Sterling K. Brown. Regina Hall's great as well, but I, I think Sterling K. Brown steals almost every minute of screen time he's ever on. He was on This Is Us, which is a, a, a series. Um, I've never watched that, but I've been told every episode will make me cry. He cries in every episode. Yeah. Stop. And just him crying makes you cry. He's, I couldn't uh, handle him crying. It's, um, it's a fan. I actually stopped watching for a while because it was just so draining emotionally, but it's a really great show. Um, he also had a small part in Black Panther, which I think not a lot of people remember, but it was in the very beginning. And I, if I'm not mistaken, he was in Waves, which is a movie by Trey Edward Schultz that we covered maybe in 2018. Um, just a really magnetic character. So I, all I knew going in was that he was in it and that it was sort of a satire comedy about, you know, the, the, the culture of giant mega churches in this case in the South. Were you, were you, was this on your radar at all before we talked about it for the show? No, uh, not at all. Okay, um, where where do you stand with uh, him with Sterling K. Brown? You, I enjoy him quite a bit. Can you name other stuff he's been in? Uh, no, but I he came to prominence after Waves. Yeah, okay, it's like, sure. He's one of those guys where I'm like I need to pay attention to what he does because yeah. he has got such a magnanimous presence. Yeah, I think that's the only time you and I have talked about him. But yeah, he's he's great. Okay, um, well then thoughts on this dude? What do you think of this movie? So I had really no idea what to expect. Mm -hmm. I pretty much went in as blind as possible. No trailers, no, trailer. no okay. synopses, nothing. Um, so, you know, I, I let this movie happen to me and mm -hmm. kind of just evaluated it thusly. And I I was really all in, in mm -hmm. maybe the first two acts. Okay. Okay. In, assuming this is a three-act movie. Sure. First, you know, beginning and middle I was all in mm -hmm. ending like the last third of this movie really lost me. It took, okay. it took a very different, not different, but uh, th like thematically and tonally it shifted mm -hmm. very drastically. And I don't mm -hmm. know if that worked and some of the resolutions we'll talk about later. Um, but where this movie finds its legs and really takes off and runs is when it is being, a satire. It, it is so deeply, darkly comical. You know, it is, yeah. it is treading the waters 
you know, between a, a documentary and maybe like a drama and then something like The Righteous Gemstones on HBO. Yeah. Where you have this complete satire of the mega churches and and all that. And, you know, I will be the first to imbibe in poking fun at organized religion. Uh, and I think that's where this movie succeeded the most for me and where mm. I found my most enjoyment and most laughs was when it was being heavy satire. Um, but tonally for me... There wasn't a consistency throughout the whole movie. I would have liked to have seen more of a serious tone interwoven in the first act and second mm -hmm. act uh, to kind of tie mm -hmm. it all together because that would have just made it a more cohesive film. Mm -hmm. uh, but the film that I was presented with was really funny, really well acted by our two leads. Mm -hmm. They were fantastic both individually and together. I really loved their interactions, particularly when some some hardcore rap music comes on in their Man, SUV. that was a great scene in the car. I was, was so dying. It was so good. Um, and yeah, they're both so endearing. And I had a lot of uh, investment in their story pretty immediately. So overall, it was a very, very entertaining movie. It was it was gorgeously shot. The cinematography and the color work was fantastic. Yeah. Um, my main problems were were essentially just the big tonal shifts that kind of, you know, and if this is deliberate, then that's fine. But experience wise, it kind of uh, it felt like there was a big deflation. Uh, and then the conclusions kind of just left you or mm -hmm. the, the ending kind of just mm -hmm. left you wanting a lot more. So uh, as an overall experience, I thought it was pretty middle of the road. Uh, if, if this was just the first half's tone or just the you know the first two thirds tone or the last thirds tone. I think this is a different movie. Or if those were intermingled and kind of better woven together throughout, it would have been fantastic. Um, yeah. But the fact that it wasn't, and there was that weird <laughs> shift that it threw me. It really did. Can and you talk more without spoiling it about about the shift in tone you're talking it was, about? It went from from parody and and really borderline full-on comedy mm -hmm. to very serious, very dramatic, and very emotional, mm -hmm. pretty much on a dime. And as a moviegoer, if you're not ready for that, and, and, and it is dealing with some pretty serious subject matter, so you're kind of halfway waiting for that other shoe to drop the whole time, but it's a satire. So, or at least that's what I'm presented with, is essentially a satire. Uh, at least that's how it read to me. Mm -hmm. And I was not expecting that, turn to happen so sharply and so abruptly and so unrelentingly it took over the tone for the rest of the movie and then it ended so overall i liked it definitely didn't love it um liked a lot of the the, the writing in the first first parts though it's worth expounding a little bit on the the presentation of the structure of this movie like you've hinted at it i, I neglected to say it in the beginning but Basically, um, Sterling K. Brown's character has, in, in the wake of these accusations, sort of hired a documentary crew to kind of come and film the revival of his church, like his comeback story. He talks about that in the trailer, like, I'm Rocky. Um, but, but you get the impression as the audience that the documentary crew maybe isn't viewing him as the hero. And, and we get some stuff where there's like a camera gets set down and we see him taking a private phone call and we are led to believe that, you know, maybe he's not the good guy in all this, which I think works really well, especially from a comedic perspective, because a lot of the stuff that happens in the first, certainly two thirds 
is super funny, but it's it's more of like a tragic comedy where he is the fool without knowing it kind of thing. The problem with that is that Sterling K. Brown is such a charismatic actor that you do kind of want to root for him. And I think, I agree with you, by the way, but I think where it does start to become a little bit muddled tonally is when the movie goes from asking us to not overtly laugh at him, but start to sympathize with him a little more. It just, it doesn't quite work. And I think by, by the end, and I don't think this is spoiling too much, like I was left a little bit confused as to how they wanted me to feel. I yeah. don't think this movie has a ton to say. I mean, it hits on a lot of different themes. It talks about like familial responsibility and, um, you know, um, save that for the danger zone too. Um, but like capitalism and hypocrisy and, and mega churches, mega churches. Yeah. yeah. The, the influence of organized religion on people, particularly the people in charge of delivering certain messages, like, um, and how important it is to hold up facades, even if it's not necessarily true or accurate in, in a number of ways. Um, so I don't think this movie has a ton to add. I think it's got a lot of themes that it tries to nail. And again, first time filmmakers, I'm not going to hold it completely against them. There's a lot that could have worked. What does work in this movie is the performances by Sterling K. Brown, Regina Hall. Great stuff. Again, mm -hmm. like you said, together, separate. They work really well together. Um, the emotional scenes, even though I agree they don't totally work in the context of the greater film, there's a particular preaching scene before the church opens towards the end where he is sort of workshopping a speech. And he's he's doing it sort of for his wife and she's giving him notes. And, and at one point we get a long take and it's it's probably like a minute, minute and a half where he really does it. And Sterling K. Brown nails this. It was so good. Because you have to, to some extent, as that person, if you're the, as the character, that character needs to believe that what he is preaching to some extent is a little bit fake. And mm -hmm. he's like trying to get people in for money so he can have his lavish lifestyle. But also it is his road to redemption. He sees that as his one way to make up for the sins of his past. And in that one speech, you can see that in Sterling K. Brown's performance. And the way that that scene resolves is even more delicious because of that commitment. But I think those moments are peppered throughout this movie and Regina Hall has a couple as well, but the movie falters in, in really sticking the landing. I agree. So I liked it, but yeah, I didn't love it. The only, yeah, it's, I really love the performances. The movie's pretty okay. Mm -hmm. Um, do you have anything else you want to talk about, about this specifically? Uh, I feel like anything else would be getting kind of spoilery, but I did love the the satire element of the the mega pastor and the mega pastor lifestyle, and yeah, you know the the tongue in cheek you know way that he was delivering earlier in the film mm -hmm. some of his his messages or sermons, mm -hmm. uh, and like working in like the fact that he's got a Bugatti, yes, like that stuff is what got the big laughs for me because. Yeah. It's so blatantly fun. It's just good satire. Yeah. Like it was well done. And I really liked a lot of that. Like a lot of the humor in the first two thirds worked for me. It's very commentary based. There's, I mean, mm -hmm. I even Googled like, is this based on a real pastor? Cause a lot of these notes do ring true. There's all these scandals that break out about, you know, like mega pastors kind of funneling away money and then buying private jets and like just not reporting it and abusing kind of their power. Mm -hmm. um, so I really liked that this movie tried to tackle that. Again, I don't think it totally sticks it, but certainly in the beginning, you're like, you, you, you as the audience really understand what they're trying to tell you. Yeah. And just, you know, trying to solve their problems while they're swimming in their infinity pool in yes. the back of their mansion. And it's made all the better by the fact that he has hired this crew to kind of you know, like look at him in awe and be like, look at my cool lifestyle. Like this is my comeback story. And, and the documentary was like, no, like you're, 
probably a little sleazy, and we're going to shine a light on that. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, well, let's give it an out of 10 for now, dude. Out of 10 for me, Honk for Jesus, Save Your Soul falls right at like a 5-2. Yeah, that's pretty close to me. I'm, I'm going slightly higher because um, I really do think it's a solid performance by Sterling K. Brown. For me, it is a 6. Do you have anything else on this, or should we call it for now? He gets... 2.5 points out of that 5-2. Yes, and, most of And it. then she gets the, the rest. rest. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it was those two. They carried the movie. They were the bright. Yeah, and like, the scene in the car. Yeah, fantastic yeah. from the two of them. I could have watched a short film that was 20 minutes long with the two of them. Well, watch you know, the one from 20, uh, exactly, 2018. No, they carried this movie, and they were absolutely yeah. the best part. It's actually worth noting in the 2018 film, they are not in it, mm. but the story is still about 15 minutes long. So, But yeah, good acting from them. That was the high point. All right, well, once again, you've been listening to Fresh Hop Cinema, possibly on KZFR 90.1 FM. Honk for Jesus is probably in a theater near you. If it's not, it is streaming on Peacock. If you've seen it and you have thoughts of your own, you can reach us on Instagram, again, at fresh underscore hop underscore cinema or to send an email to fhccast at gmail.com. And to our radio listeners, thank you so much for tuning in. We'll catch you next and every Thursday at 5.30 p.m. on KZFR 90.1 FM. As a reminder, if you want to hear the rest of today's conversation, which includes spoilers for Honk for Jesus, a review of that second beer from Sutter Buttes, as well as that second movie about a cute little seashell with shoes, <laughs> yep. uh, and hot and bothered, head over to your favorite podcast app and subscribe immediately to Fresh Hop Cinema. The rest of this episode will be available tomorrow morning at 7 a.m. And to those of you already listening on your podcast app right there in your pocket, we'll be right back. Danger Zone. Danger Zone. Hey, welcome to the Danger Zone. If you've never joined us on the podcast before uh, or you just forgot... This is where we spoil our movie, or in this case, our first movie of the week, um, Being Hung for Jesus, Save Your Soul. If you haven't seen it and you care about spoilers, which I think like- Sounded uh, like you just said Being Hung for Jesus. Being Hung for Jesus. Uh, honk for Jesus, Save Your Soul. Um, can we actually start this then, Johnny, before I finish my sentence? Like, do you do you recommend people see this movie? Um, like, would you just recommend it as a critic? No. Okay. Um, I think maybe. I think if you're open to this kind of satire and you like- Sterling K. Brown, for sure. Um, that said, like, it's not the worst movie to have spoiled. Mm-hmm. But if you're at all curious, go see it, and you can pause this podcast and come back and listen because this is your final warning. We are going to spoil it. So. Especially with it being, like, just free and available on Peacock. That's low risk. Sure. Relatively <clears throat> low reward. Yeah. it's a <laughs> There's a risk and a reward. I mean, I'm just saying this aired on Peacock. The it came to streaming the same day that the newest Jurassic Park movie did. So... They're really, Ugh. really pulling some. This strings. is better than that, yeah, by quite a bit. Yeah. Um, okay. So, so I was talking about themes in this movie. Like I, I mentioned, the responsibility of families and hypocrisy, and you know, capitalism and, and nar- I didn't say narcissism and ego, but that's a huge part of this. Oh yeah. Um, and and also sexual identity, and and they don't really harp. He's gay, basically. Mm-hmm. They don't really spend a lot of time. How early in the movie did you figure that out? I had a hunch. Pretty um, quick. There's there's a couple points where it becomes pretty obvious. There's a particular sex scene um, that really uh, finalized it for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's you know there's hints of scandals, and I think nowadays you sort of assume heterosexuality when it comes to this kind of stuff because it's usually rich men taking advantage of younger women. See, not necessarily because um, not necessarily. But that's what I hear about the most. Mm, well. But in a religious capacity, my mind immediately oh, goes true. Catholic. Good point. But this is so far from Catholicism. It is. But you, in my mind, okay. I'm like church. Sure. But <clears throat> yes, 
agreed initially assumed heterosexual sure. type of, of deviant yeah. behavior. Um, but yeah, the first hint at for me was when they first walk into the church and they're mm-hmm. like showing off their, their outfits uh-huh. and there was like a subtle hint. It might be an Easter egg. You have to go back and look, okay. but she listed his Prada suits in the color of the rainbow. No way. Really? Yeah. And you just caught that? Yeah. That's I was like, cool. did she just list the colors of the rainbow? And well, because all of his suits are behind him and it looks like a goddamn well, yeah, rainbow. Col- yeah. Like it's like, it's bright, brilliant. It's a rainbow. I love that you took that as like, you like keyed into it. I was like, that's a good looking wardrobe. I was like, look at it. I, that's how I would color code my stuff too. I do well, sometimes. I mean, also, yeah, he did. Yeah. He was so well dressed. But sure. Um, yeah, man. So, so I think that that's, if you ask me, and since we're assuming you just did, that's the format of the show, um, that's the the richest thematic stuff they could have dealt with. And th- there's one scene that happens in the gymnasium where he's he's sort of stripped down to just his, his uh, tank top and he's playing basketball and he gets a little close to this kid who's part of the AV team. Oh, he hits on him. Yeah, like to the point where he like touches his face and then he's like, like your stubble or whatever. Like, he actually has so much stubble. Scruff. He's t- scruff, thank you. And he's it's talking before that. Scruff. Yeah. Well, he's talking about before that, like skincare routine to look younger, which also doesn't bode well. Like moisturizing. Like, you need to look like a younger kid. You have so much scruff. And then the dude's like, my boyfriend likes it. And then he kind of snaps back and like, hey, well, let me know if you need anything, young man. I can help you. Um, but that moment is is so gross um, in the context of like his wife is stuck by him and they're trying to get all this behind them. And they've just sort of settled. And then he's the next thing he does is like hitting on this dude that he yeah. thinks is cute. Yeah, I was I was hoping for a much better, uh, or at least conclusive payoff. Like, yeah, you know this guy really should just go live his own truth. Like I was hoping that mm-hmm. for him. Like, you know, that's yeah, just you know, yeah. So let's talk about maybe the way the movie ends. Mm-hmm. So the whole, the, we're building up to the church reopening on Easter. And we can't not talk about the mime scene, though. Dude, so the mime scene was so degrading. Oh, my God. But that's what I'm getting at. It's so like they're, they're getting their their church to open up, and there's there's a whole other side tangent about this other couple who's younger and, and more successful, and they, they've now opened their own church, so they're competing. And the way they're going to compete is to basically evoke the title of the movie, Honk for Jesus, and they have a sign out front, and they're both kind of dancing, waving down cars, like, come to our church. Um, I don't really understand where the mime idea came from. I know they mentioned it a couple times. Like, yeah, he's a goofy guy. Like maybe that's what he did. Um, I, in like my in the head, past. the whole movie there was like a mime that like taught mime praise. Yeah. So I was like, oh, they're gonna bring out the mime, and it was just yeah. And no, was, I knew it was him. Like it, I just thought it was one of his gimmicks. Like it's like a dance movie. He's like mm-hmm. I'm gonna do the mime thing. But then to the point where he puts Regina Hall's character like in mime makeup and is having her do the thing on was, a street corner. It just felt yeah, it felt gross. Yeah, it felt real mm-hmm. minstrelly. Totally. Um, yeah. Grosser probably because of that sex scene that happens. Um, like neither, you're not rooting for, like, I don't feel that bad for her right? or him. Yeah. Like neither of them are evil characters. They're clearly just not a good romantic match and their goals. Like, I swear there's one scene in the movie where they, it's right. I think after that gym sequence happens where they look into each other's eyes, she knows what he was doing, but then they're both like, you know, we're going to focus on our goals, which yeah. is, which is making money and being famous. Like yeah. that's all we need to get me back on that stage. You yeah. need to go back to preaching. Cause that's where we find our worth. Well, she's ignoring all of this. She's and not the fact she's that she's married to a mm-hmm. gay man. Mm-hmm. Um, so for status and for wealth and, mm-hmm. you know, so yeah, she's just as complicit. Is there a scene in this movie though, where she does kind of break down? Is it when she's talking to her mom and talks about how, um, 
she like knows her responsibilities and like really like she knows what he is. Or am I just making that up? I think maybe I think you're making, making that, up. that up. There was an emotional scene she had. Now I can't remember the context. Um, but I remember thinking that it's not like she's turning a total blind eye and doesn't care about this. Like I think at one point she was invested in this marriage and then it came up that like maybe he wasn't as much for the mm-hmm. right for the same reasons. Um, and she's just decide, decided like, this is, nope, this is my life. So I'm going to stick by my husband. Like this is what the Bible told me to do. So I'm going to do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is a little bit, you know, that, that does make you sad, of course. Um, but then her other motivations just kind of negate that for the most part for me. So in the end you find two kind of characters you don't really care to root for. Yeah. And I think overall that was the mm-hmm. the point. Right. Maybe. So what did you mean? You wanted more of a payoff by the ending. Like well, what were you hoping to feel that you didn't feel? Just the ending, you didn't get to see how many people actually showed up. You didn't get to see if they stayed together. You didn't get to see any resolution to his inner conflicts or demons. Like, mm-hmm. you didn't get to see how their grand reopening went. I would make the case that it doesn't matter because they just, they're just going to keep doing their thing. Yeah. They're just running on a wheel. Just, yeah, and, and he, he proved that with his actions in the gym yep, that he's yep. just going to keep being terrible. Yep. So. so, you know, well, even kind of to to bolster my point here, like the one dude shows up who's not even there to go to church. He's like doing donuts, mm-hmm. but like Sterling K. Brown, like Lee Curtis he's child here for he's me, like, let's do it. Like he's yeah, me, me, me. It was all, it doesn't, ego. it doesn't matter to that guy. If there's 50,000 or five, mm-hmm. like when those five people do show up, he's like, this is a Testament. Look, like they love us. Mm-hmm. Although later on, he does say the five people don't count, but still. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Just a real narcissistic guy. Both of them. Yeah. But I think he's the more egregious. I'm trying to think if there's anything else. I think that's about all I got. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I wouldn't recommend. There are some pretty good laughs. There's a couple good laughs. I, let's briefly unpack the car scene you're talking about because I got to chuckle out of it too. <laughs> so they're leaving from like one church in their, their, their church that they're in the process of like reopening yeah, yeah, yeah. and they're headed back. We don't know where they're driving to. Right. We're assuming they're going home. Mm-hmm. And they're having like a serious conversation about God and yeah. God's will and all this stuff. And then it hits kind of a stalemate, and there's like maybe five or ten seconds of silence. Mm-hmm. And then he hits the radio. What song was that? Knock if you buck. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and he is singing every word, and she's just kind of looking over at him. And I was laughing she the whole time. She nails this scene. But then too. out of nowhere, like the next verse, she chimes in yep. and just goes for and it. And they're duetting it, and it's awesome. It was so great. Maybe the best scene in the movie. It's really good. Yeah, because it highlights this, this hypocrisy of like, you're... And, and I don't know, it's not quite as stringent as like Catholicism was like, don't say swear words at all. Like, but still you don't expect a, a pastor maybe to be busting out the kind of language he does. Yeah. And then some like hardcore gangster Regina rap. Regina Hall has this look in her eyes when he's doing it, like almost like she's pissed off about it. Mm-hmm. But then, yeah. And then the one, two punch is like when she starts doing yeah. it too, it's great. And and it was such a confession of the fact that they're both kind of just faking it totally on different levels. Yeah. You know, her in more of an enabling way and him in a completely ego driven Mm -hmm. narcissistic way. Mm -hmm. But yeah, it was just, it was the fakers being completely honest with themselves. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I keep coming back to the sex scene, but there's, there's one thing like right at the, at the end of their escapade, um, she she doesn't get hers. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and then so she, she's very selfless. And then what he says is, thank you, God. Like he's just like laying there and like, thank you, Jesus. This is Lord. Mm. And she just kind of crawls back up to the top of the bed. And it's like, okay, go to sleep, Mm -hmm. which is like his through. And it's just like everything, everything good. Uh, despite my wife having worked really hard for me and like trying to make this happen, like swallowing a lot of stuff. 
I mean, it's, I didn't, I didn't mean to use that turn of phrase, but, but it's true. Like, you know, yeah. um, ignoring a lot of things, um, just like, it's like, nope, glory to God. Mm-hmm. And, but it's like, so obviously not that yep. it's like other people that are sacrificing various parts of themselves so that he can get more success. Yep. It's terrible. Yeah. And it's all for his greater good. Totally. Yeah. Um, well, that's song for Jesus. Save your soul. Those are our thoughts. And now we will exit the danger zone. And I think we'll get into beer number two, unless you got anything else. No, nah, man. Okay, dig it out of the cellar, my friend. What was that? This is the sound of me birthing a Hefeweizen. Ha Yeah. Reminds me of something very specific. Halo? Maybe. Yeah. Man, if I remember it, I'll put some sweet reverb around that. Just like we're in a giant chamber. Yeah. I'm going to remember that. I'm going to do it. My chamber of secrets. Yeah. I just snapped for none. I don't think I can edit out that snap. Maybe I can. And nobody knows what I'm talking about. Ah. <laughs> um, all right. So we have beer number two. Sutter Beats Brewing, Yuba City. Um, tell me about it, man. They are far from Germany. Yes. But apparently they're making pretty good German-style beer. Super stoked to get into it. Off-center, Hefeweizen, 5.6%. ABV, 10 IBUs. It is a wheat beer with fruity banana aromas and spicy flavors of cloves, cinnamon, and mild citrus notes. When you picture a Hefeweizen... If the new game is that we say half of ice and as many times as we can correctly, um, but also try to get a bunch. When, when you picture the color of one, if you had to just pick one color, not a nuanced color, like one primary color, what do you think? Yellow. Me too. Um, and I think my connection to that is like Kelleweiss from Sierra Nevada. Mm-hmm. Some reason it's like a very hazy yellow beer in my brain. It is. I, it is, right? Oh, yeah. This doesn't look like that. No, but it smells. Right. Very um, nice. This is. Um, this looks like an IPA to me. It's, yeah. it's it's a very sort of light amber, sort of dark sun, not dark sunset orange, but like, a, you know, yeah, maybe that's right. Like a, like a brown sunset <laughs> should be a name of a beer on its own. I think. Brown sunset. Brown sunset. Um, how's it smell? What do you mean? Tons of aroma, heavy on the cloves, like nutmeg. Oh, it yeah, smells it like fall. It's got a real, I feel like there's a crisp bite in mm-hmm. the air, mm-hmm. there's fresh, maybe ocean air. Oh. On my face. Yes. It's sure. got just, yeah. It's got big fall vibes. Dude, I don't know what the overlap is between, say, a Hefeweizen and a Saison, but whatever that Venn diagram is, the middle section, I do not like. Mm. I think I like the Hefeweizen side of things, but the Saison side, and that's probably not even right, but there's something about, maybe it's the cloves, like that spiciness that just never works for me. And, and smelling it now, it reminds me of other halves that I don't like. Mm. But I haven't tried it yet. All right. You have. Yep. Give me your thoughts. You get a ton of what you're expecting on the nose, right? It's a lot thinner than I expected on the mouth. Yep. I don't know if that's just because, like, my exposure to hefts is not as expansive as a lot of other styles. Uh, so it is it's thinner than I expected. But you get a lot of those sweet notes. Like, the punchy nutmeg is there. It's, mm. you know, it reminds me of... of um, what are they called? Scissors. No, clove cigarettes. Oh, you're, just you know. doing, you're doing a scissor with your yeah. finger. But I get it now. <clears throat> Did you ever smoke clove cigarettes? No. Okay. No. No. Nope. Um, this uh, this is bad. It's not bad. I don't like this, which okay. is probably a signifier that it's good. Because mm. I really have a hard time with this style. Yeah. And this has all of the flavor notes that I really associate with disliking about a half of ice. <laughs> all you mean all the flavors it's supposed to have? Totally. Yeah. And it's just really indicative that I think it's probably well made and I just really don't like the style. There's there's not even one that I can think of that has changed my mind on this. Do style. you like Keller Weiss? No. 
Okay. No, not a bit, which is why I couldn't even think if that was the real color. Because I think I've only seen people order it mm. at the Sierra Nevada Tap Room. I've never even ordered it. I just don't like that beer. Yeah. Um, this one's pretty heavy on the banana too, which mm-hmm. is actually a little bit more redeeming. I think it skews towards sweet banana versus clovey stuff, mm-hmm. um, which actually might be a shortcoming stylistically. So you're saying bananas are a shortcoming stylistically? I think that the emphasis being on the sweetness and the banana characteristics might skew this away from what it should be stylistically, purely speaking, which is more towards the spiciness. Hmm. But I could be wrong. Again, I don't drink a ton of these, so yeah. I don't know. I don't know where the banana comes from. It's got to be like a malt bill. I don't know either, actually. With some yeast and some bananas. I don't think it's actually bananas, but no, yeah, I'm, pretty I'm, sure I'm with not. you for the first part of that. Um, do, do you like it? I do. It's it's really well balanced. A lot of hefts that I've had have just been way too heavy. This is yeah. one I could see myself actually like drinking a pint of. Um, I do not like Sierra Nevadas. It is yeah. significantly sweeter than this one. Uh, I think this is a much more drinkable half than I've had. Yeah, okay. I agree with you there. It's very light compared to mm-hmm. – I, I think of a half of Ison as being, yeah, pretty thick for some – I know it's not, but it feels heavy in my memory. Um, we didn't read the can yet, but I'd like to. Enjoy a taste of the old country with this classic German wheat beer. Bursting with aromas of fresh baked banana bread, thank you, and spicy clove balanced perfectly with flavors of crisp wheat and citrus. Off-center Hefeweizen is always refreshing and enjoyable. Hefe, German for yeast, and Weizen, German for wheat, combined to create this classic hazy style beer. There you go. Prost. Yeah, yeah. the haze factor isn't there either. Like I think that's probably part of the lack of heft mm-hmm. with the T. Um that is working for me because I'm so against the style most of the time. Hmm. Now, what is, is it about it that you don't like in, in the general, style in general? Yeah. Is it the sweetness? No, it's the spiciness. Okay. It's the particular brand of spiciness. And it's almost like a pie spice almost, but it's, it's different. Cause it's not like, you know, I like that sort of spice lineup when it comes to say a Christmas stout or something like I'm on board with nutmeg and cinnamon and uh, even clove probably to some extent. But I think the clove is probably the most egregious of the standout characters. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's clove. Maybe I don't like clove. Maybe that's what it is. Hmm. Uh, I can't. Yeah. I'm, no, I think it's clove. Okay. Half of Eisen's are very clove forward. It, and this one particularly yeah. is also very clove forward. But this has the banana bread quality too, which mm-hmm. is, um, I think, stronger here than most others, which I do enjoy. So I don't hate this beer. I definitely don't think it's poorly made. I just don't love it. Fair enough. Personally. Sounds like your rating's going to come down to personal preference on style quite a bit. Yes. The only yeah. how I live my life. Totally, man. Uh, any other standout things about this that you want to mention, talk about at all? Well, I do like like the body of it quite a bit. Yes. And I love that it's hitting all those flavor notes. Um, I think the cloves are the most yeah. empowered thing in this beer. Uh, they are almost too heavy. It, it, any more clove, and I'm almost off-put by this beer. Yeah. I think a big part of it too is how much they're on the nose. I think, you know, maybe plug the nose and take a drink of this and then blow out your nose and maybe see what that does, you know, like do some experimenting to see if maybe it is the clove that's that's taken you out of it. It is. Uh it, it is very strong. So, yes. If you're not into cloves, you're not going to be into this. But I think that's also very true to form with hefts. Maybe. So, um that's fair. If you don't like a style, you don't like a style. There's a quality in a clove flavor that I think for me starts to taste a bit irony, mm. uh, meaning the metal. Not no, the, I was going to say okay. it's just ironic. <laughs> um, yeah, it tastes a little metallic and, and bloody a little bit. Like there's there's something about it 
that hmm. really, yeah, just, I had a second or third sip there and I'm, I'm not going to go back for more. I really, um, really dislike that flavor a lot. Fair enough. But again, personal preference. Mm-hmm. I know a lot of people dig the style, but just not one that I would probably opt for. Well, I think it's a, a pretty solid representation of the style. 100%. I think it's well-made, it's drinkable, it's approachable, uh, maybe a bit imbalanced when it comes to the cloves, but uh, that also just depends on your palate and your mm-hmm. nose. But for mm-hmm. me, I would say it is almost distracting how much clove there is on the nose and okay. the taste, Sure, but it does not go so far as to be off-putting. Okay, yeah, it's but it gets close. Yes. It's 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 really it's butting up against that mm-hmm. line. It's a super it's a super refreshing and light beer. I think that's one of the biggest testaments you can have, especially at 5.6%, which isn't huge, but it's not small, it's not four and a half like our first beer was. Mm-hmm. So if you're yeah, if you're prone to liking these flavors and you want maybe a more summertime, what is it today? 111 degrees mm-hmm. in Chico. Yeah, more of a summertime half of Eisen, and I guess that's kind of redundant because they are typically more of a warm weather beer, but this is hot here. Mm-hmm. And, and I would prefer this to something that feels and drinks heavier. So let's give it a rating. What do you think? Well, for me, this half is going to be probably, I would say, a 6.6. Six. 6.6. You want to add an extra 6 for fun? No. Okay. This beer is not evil. Fair enough. Um, for me, yeah, for, I hate to do it, but it's a 3 for me. I just don't like it. I don't like the style, and I'm sorry, but I do, yeah, again, I think this is a show where we rate based on our own mouths, so. Well, that's a good road marker on the map of personal flavor profile. Totally. You know, if if you see that sign on Max's road and you think I want to turn down that road, mm. you have a good direction to go yeah, in. that's true. Uh, okay, anything else on off-center? Half of Eisen. No. Okay. Thanks, Sutter Buttes, for the beer. Yeah, appreciate it. Uh, all right, incoming is a trailer from Marcel the Shell with shoes on. If you haven't seen it yet, uh, we're not going to spoil it without giving you plenty of heads up. So stick around, and we'll be right back. All right, so I'm making like a little documentary. Oh, it's like it's a like... movie, but nobody has any lines, and nobody even knows what it is while they're making it. Mm. No. Hmm? Tell me about what's life like. It's pretty much common knowledge that it takes at least twenty shells to have a community. My cousin fell asleep in a pocket, and that's why I don't like the saying everything comes out of the wash, because sometimes it doesn't, or sometimes it does, and they're just like a completely different person. So it's actually only two of us now, myself and my grandmother, Nana Connie. We like to watch 60 Minutes because Leslie Stahl is fearless. Nana, make the noise. Sometimes I find my mind wandering thinking, what would my family think? Do you think they could be out there? Marcello, let's forget about being afraid. Just take the adventure. Okay, let's do it. Hi, everybody. It's Marcel. I'm recording this video because I'm looking for my family. Marcel the Shell and the search for a family reunited. Ah! Marcel, how long has it been since you've seen your family? I couldn't tell you, but a space in my heart gets bigger and louder every day. Hmm. Dean, do you know how long? That's two years. Two years. Yeah. Oh, that's nice to know. There's so many places that they could be. Marcel the shell with shoes on. You are beautiful. I 
be so many others like me. He has got to go. Not that I don't like Arthur. Not bad. No! Oh my god! Arthur. No! No! Arthur! Off! That was a trailer for Marcel the Shell with shoes on. Uh, John, you want to read me the internet synopsis? Marcel is an adorable one-inch tall shell who ekes out a colorful existence with his grandmother, Connie, and their pet, Lint. Alan, (laughs) once part of a sprawling community of shells, they now live alone as the sole survivors of a mysterious tragedy. But when a documentary filmmaker discovers them amongst the clutter of his Airbnb, the short film he posts online brings Marcel millions of passionate fans, as well as unprecedented dangers and a new hope at finding his long-lost family. Right. So this is kind of our second pseudo-documentary of the day, which I thought was a nice tie-in. Right. Um, If you've seen the original 2010 viral video of Marcel the Shell, I don't need to explain much to you. You kind of know And I'm guessing when you saw the trailer for the feature film, you were just like, yeah, that's great. I love the original. Let's do it for 90 minutes. Um, But if you haven't, it's the sort of stop motion shell that just says one-offs about random stuff like – like, guess what I wear for a hat? And she's ta- he's talking to the documentary maker, which is a nice little gag here, um, especially a nice counterpoint to our first movie where the documentary people did not speak, mostly. Uh, what do you wear for a hat? A lentil. Or like, what do you, <laughs> what, guess what I hang glide on? A Dorito. Like, <laughs> and it's that stretched out to 90 minutes. Um, this was directed by Dean Fleischer Camp, who made the viral video back in 2010 with a screenplay by him, Nick Paley, and Jenny Slate, who here voices Marcel. This was distributed by A24. Probably not a huge surprise. Uh, I was just so stoked. I was like, yeah, if A24 is doing that, like, it's going to be so good. Um, cinematography, Bianca Klein. This originally came to screens at the Telluride Film Festival in September of last year. Came to wide-ish release on June 2nd. We didn't get it in Chico, um, but it is available on Video On Demand, which is how we saw it. Uh, like I said, Jenny Slate voices Marcel. You have Isabella Rossellini, who is Nana Connie. You got Dean playing himself as the documentarian. Um, and that's pretty much that's pretty much the people in this movie. There's uh, you kind of hinted at this. There's there's a couple that uh, lived here, and then Marcel's family disappeared because they get in a big fight, and the man in the couple leaves and takes his sock drawer, which has all the shells. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's a through line: is this kind of couple fighting and people coming and going in what has turned into an Airbnb. And um, I guess I'll talk about my thoughts in a minute. But what did you think about this? What's your relationship to the original video? Had you seen it? I've seen it like once. Okay, so, so like, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it was whatever. Okay. Uh, okay, what did you think of the movie? It was so precious. So precious. Um, we need to protect Marcel at all costs. Uh, at all costs. Like build a fortress yes. around him because he is the most precious thing in existence. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was so refreshed to have the rarely seen feel-good film from A24 come at me. I know, it's like five um, total. Yeah. Which is not many. No. No. Out of like 117? Yeah. I would argue that Come On, Come On is a feel-good film. Not totally. Not totally. This, I guess this isn't totally either. There's there's some... No, it's all feel-good, though. Yeah. There's hard no. moments in Come On, Come On, but it is feel-good. Yeah, this is the closest that A24 will come to producing like a Disney Pixar level of feel-good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, maybe. Uh, and Marcel is their Mickey Mouse. I'm saying it. Mm-hmm. He is their feel-good mascot. Yeah. 100%. Uh, this movie was, like I said, precious. That's the best word I can come up with to mm-hmm. describe it. Uh, mm-hmm. Marcel is just infinitely funny and witty and 
his observational humor is fantastic and he loves ribbing people and like he gets the best of Dean a couple There's times. There's a great line uh, where he says like, do you ever think you, I can't remember exactly but like she's asking or he's asking, I always think Marcel's a girl that's mm. locked in my brain uh, from years. I don't, I just learned he was a boy in this mm. video, in this movie. But he says to Dean, like, do you ever think you'd make more friends if you were just a little bit more open and talk to people instead of filming other people and and something like that? Yeah. It was great. Yeah. Just scathing ribbing. It was fantastic. Yeah. You know, but this movie also has commentary on on community and family yep. and life and self-sufficiency and fulfillment and like mm-hmm. what is the purpose of life? Yep. And, you know, a lot of those things that, you know, bigger budget CGI big box movies try and do, but you never fully endear to them in, in a way that is meaningful or lasting. You maybe have some childhood memories of like some lessons you learned from Aladdin or something like that. But, um, for it to be set in a world that is this world and it's, it's well-written. It's the, the script is fantastic. Mm -hmm. Uh, the voice acting was fantastic as well. Jenny Slate Mm -hmm. is the best as Marcel. Yeah. Uh, I feel like she, ingests or injects mm-hmm. so much sass into Marcel. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're familiar with any of her other work, you will yeah, understand she why. Parks and Rec. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't think of her character's name, but mm-hmm. uh, yeah. Yep. She's been in some great stuff. Look yeah. up Jenny Slate's back catalog. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so you have all this allegory for, you know, the metaphors are run deep and then, you know, the attachment with grandma and dealing with grandma's old age. I mm-hmm. mean, it was a feel good, but it was still so grounded in mm-hmm. reality mm-hmm. and and things that will suck out empathy from you in an instant. Um, you can identify with Marcel at times and and all the characters in this movie at times. Mm-hmm. And uh, I thought it was fantastic. I absolutely loved it front to back. It was so engaging, so funny, so heartfelt and mm-hmm. thoughtful. And it was fantastic. Yeah. I loved it as well. And I have the additional nostalgia of the original clip. And and that original clip is maybe two minutes long. It's probably not even that long. And my only apprehension going into this was that the entirety of the the, the original clip is like one-line jokes. And you can't really craft a 90-minute movie out of that. People like Judd Apatow have tried for a very long time. Sometimes it works, but very rarely. More often than not, it fails. But what you're talking about is why it's a great movie, I think is that it it injects human emotion and pathos and like real experiences. There's a line where Marcel's reflecting on missing his family, his community. And it's a beautiful day. And we get this gorgeous shot of like, there's a lot of macro shots in this movie. Like just because Marcel's, you know, like, what is that? Like an inch tall. Yeah. Um, so you get these blown up portraits of otherwise pretty tiny stuff. Um, but there's this one shot where the camera pulls back and it's just filming like trees blowing in the breeze. And it's a, it's like a warm summer day. You can almost smell the the nectar in the air. And Marcel says, while talking about the sunshine, if I were somebody else, I'd really be enjoying this. <laughs> like I think to myself, like if I weren't so sad because I missed all of my family, I might really enjoy this beautiful day. Mm-hmm. And it's little lines like that peppered in that bring some sense of real weight to this character that weighs maybe a half an ounce. Yeah. Um. And and yeah, the the entire narrative of or the thematic narrative of human longing and a need for community and a need for purpose ties this thing together so wonderfully. And the incorporation of Dean, the director in this movie is great. And they, the way their stuff goes is awesome too. And there's so many good jokes. Like they still has the original charm, but it has so much more. Mm -hmm. And it walks that line of being thought provoking 
about the human condition without being depressing. Yes. It gets heavy at times, but it never crosses that border. And I find that so enjoyable. Yes. Because, you know, you want to contemplate these things, but you don't want to be so beat down by a mm-hmm. movie experience that mm-hmm. you come out more jaded than before. Yeah, right. Yeah. And this didn't do that. No. So fucking good. Um, I love that show. How much was this? We, we bought it on video on demand. It was like 20 bucks. Sweet. Yeah. yeah. And it's, I think it'll eventually become rentable, but yeah. it's at October that stage 3rd, right now. October 3rd, it'll be available to rent on Vudu. Yeah. Uh, get it now. Mm-hmm. Get it and watch it. It's so good. 90 minutes too. Like I would have watched this for much longer. It's one of the rare situations where like this could have been two and a half hours. Make Give me another Marcel I'd watch movie. every adventure. Yeah. Every little tiny adventure. <laughs> And there's so many ingenious jokes, like like rolling around in a tennis ball is so funny. Like yeah. you just see little the tennis. You know that's how the movie starts. Yeah, like, you're like, what's going on here? And he's like, it works really good, but I can't see where I'm going. It's so like, good, man. He's so pure. The purity that he brings. It's such an innocent worldview. Yes. Uh, like one of the scenes that kind of got me emotionally mm-hmm. was when he sees a lake for the first time. Oh yeah. And he's just like. I think I'm going to cry. Yeah. I'm just like, oh, yeah. He's so, oh, stop the, it. The blind optimism of, of, cause Marcel's world is basically this uh, apartment or house. It's, it's a, house. a house. Yeah. Um, so he's like, all right, we're going to go and we're going to find my family. And that's how it starts. And then you get, you sort of see as Marcel starts to understand how big the planet is. Like we get at a high point. He's like, is this everything? And Dean's like, this is like one city. Like, you know, you hear part about of Tokyo city, yeah. and Los Angeles. Like this is one of them partially. Um, and you get like a little bit of air of like, oh no, I can't find Aww. my family. But then Marcel style optimism shines through and it just, it's so heartwarming. Yeah. It, yeah. it, it was a much needed breath of fresh air. This is one of those movies like I'll put on if I'm depressed. hundred percent. Yeah. It, there's a movie that I've told you to watch for a long time. It's on the list. It's called Minuscule, The Valley of the Lost Ants. And it's a stop motion animation sort of hybrid with reality movie. Uh, and it's a story about a ladybug who helps a colony of black ants defend from an attack of red ants. This is such a movie you would recommend. It totally is. And it's the same stuff this movie has granted, not as good as this. This is great. Um, and though it's great too, but this is more, this is more great, has more greatness, Nice. but it scratched the same kind of like, I don't know how else to describe it. Like a, like tiny love. Like you just see that, you know, you see little things. You're just mm-hmm. like, it's adorable. I mm-hmm. love it. I'm going to squish it to death. Mm-hmm. It's got that. And I don't even know how to quantify that. It's its own genre. Mm-hmm. Marcel, Minuscule, uh, The Borrowers, Small Soldiers, <laughs> Bugs Life. Yeah. Anything with bugs, basically. Right. Uh, there's probably Men in Black, not so much. No. The cockroach guy freaks me out. Yeah. He's scary. Um, okay. Is this a movie? And I might break format here. Do you feel like we need to spoil anything here? Not really. Okay. Because I think, yeah, there, there's I think some... we're thinking the same thing. There's some nice twists and turns here. Yeah. So only because we are both recommending it so strongly, we don't really have to disagree about anything in the danger zone. Like, there's no points of contention we have to go over. Mm-hmm. It's a great movie. Yeah. Everybody should see it. So I don't think we should say anything more about it. I think people should just go watch it. I agree. Then let's read it. Wait, I'm not... Don't say it yet. I'm not ready. <sighs> it's tough. It's tough, right? It's a tough one not to. Mm-hmm. Um, shit. I mean, what kind of world do you want to live in where this isn't a 10? Fuck yeah. Marcel's yeah, a 10. That's a 10. That's a great yeah. movie. <laughs> that's the best way. What kind of like, world well, who is Who do you this? have to be yeah. to be like, it's a it's You're going to find 8. things wrong up. with Marcel. I will fight you. Yeah. Um, okay. 10 out of 10. Both of us. Marcel the Shell with shoes on. Uh, it's We rented it on, or we bought it on Vudu. Um, but I think it's available to buy on Amazon Prime. And then if you have to wait a couple weeks, you just want to rent it because you don't trust our glowing endorsement. Fine. It'll be available probably everywhere. But you so October. Should. 
Third. Third. Uh, what is that? A couple weeks from now? Yeah. Three weeks. Yeah. Watch it before that and then let us know. We'd like to hear what you think. It's it's a deliciously heartwarming movie. So please uh, do reach out if you get a chance to see it. Immediately one of my favorite movies of the year. It's so good. Yeah. It's going to fit so great on our t-shirt. Mm-hmm. Just a little Marcel right there. Oh, God. Uh, okay. You want to go hot and bother? I'll get a Marcel tattoo if you do. Welcome to Hot and Bothered, the portion of our show where we break uh, tradition, not break tradition, this is the tradition, Yeah, but we no longer need to talk about craft beer and movies unless we want to, which we might, but I don't really know. What do you, uh, I don't have anything written down for me yet, and I'm on paper, I'm, I'm old school today. You're going analog, yeah, boy. There it is, I've got six pages of notes in front of me. You remember when the notes used to be one and a half pages? Yeah. Like, look what's happened, dude. We've gone off the rails It's a long, completely. It's a long episode this week, obviously, but still. It is. First one back, we we didn't pull any punches. In fact, no, we're going to do yeah, two dude. movies. Um, okay, well, you got a hot or a bothered, and do you want to go first or second? I mean, I've got a lot to talk about. Okay, so I'll go first. Okay. Because then we're on your timeline because I live here. Okay. Um, I got a couple things. Briefly, I uh, wanted to touch on the new HBO uh, Game of Thrones spinoff, House of the Dragon. Was going to do that. I think is what it's called. Is it called House, House of the Dragon? House of the Dragon. Yeah. Um, it's... I've seen three episodes, and I think that's, that's all that's out. Okay. Um, fans of Game of Thrones, rejoice. There's a lot of stuff to be praised here. I think there's some great performances. I'm really into it so far. If you're not familiar with the concept of the show, it takes place about a th- – that can't be right. Like 300 years. Yeah, 300 years before the story that you are familiar with. Um, and it's mostly about the Targaryen family, which is a fun spin. During uh, not the height of their dragon conquering, but, you know, they're doing good. Not the height of the conquering, but the probably the height of their prominence in the realm. For sure. Um, there's some great performances. There's a pretty great battle scene that happens in the third episode, which I was wondering how they would deal with. I think they brought Miguel Sapochnik back on who did like battle of the bastards and some of the larger scale stuff from the original show. Nice. So I'm liking where it's going. I would say if you've been on the fence about watching it, it, it'd be worth diving in there. Every episode so far has been like an hour 10. Um, so a lot of bang for buck if mm-hmm. you like that sort of thing. So uh, were you tentative at all knowing how, uh, Game of Thrones ended for sure man. with that taste? Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah, but it's different producers, different directors. Mm-hmm. Um, it's always different directors. But and different I heard people. Martin had a lot more input on this series as well. That's how the other one started. And well, that's what kind of backed yeah. out. So we'll see how it goes. Well, they ran out of source material. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. And he saw, I read in an interview, he saw the original series going like 12 seasons. Oh, really? Stretching everything out a lot further because they didn't delve into all the stuff in the books. You know what I'm saying? You yes. could have gotten way more content. For sure. Out of the books no, that were I know. already written. I know. I know. I don't there's mean some, to rally up. There's some problems with with the way that that show, with a lot of shows getting made. Like, I'm waiting on the perfect show. Lost was so good until it wasn't. Mm. Game of Thrones so good until it wasn't. I have not started, which is maybe something you'll talk about. I'm not sure. The Lord of the Rings spinoff show. I haven't yet. touched okay, it. Okay, me neither. But I'm really holding out hope that that one will be a perfect show. If yeah. one of these nails it, I'll be so stoked. Right. And so far, House of the Dragon, really good. It's really good. It's not perfect yet, I don't think. There's, there's well... I don't want to get into it. I don't think I really enjoy it. Well, we should circle back once it's done and we'll do a whole season breakdown and see how we think about it. I'm super down. Um, My last thing is I traveled to San Luis Obispo this past weekend for a wedding. I played the rehearsal dinner and the wedding. I got to spend some quality time alone, kind of exploring beaches and coffee shops. And so you went to Pismo to go to Pismo. Pismo's rad. Pismo's great. Can you still drive out on the beach? Maybe not in a minivan. You shouldn't. So I just walked. It was also like 10 AM and there were, I was sort of in the downtown area. Um, yeah, had a cup of coffee on the beach. I explored some different spots, had a great cocktail after the rehearsal dinner downtown. Um, and just was like a solid road trip. 
Nice. Slash wedding. It was a gorgeous wedding. Um, not that Ernesto and Nicole will ever hear this, but if they do, happy marriage, guys. Thank you for having me party today. Um, just lovely. Yeah, it was great. So that was a nice chance to get out of town. I was hoping to get away from the 114 degree Chico weather, but it was like 103 in San Luis mm. Obispo that day. We're we're getting hotter. Yeah. So all things considered, really great trip. It's always nice to be at the ocean too. The ocean's always so grounding. Yeah. It was nice. Love that. Good. Glad you had a good yep. weekend. So that was me. What's up with you, man? Well, I've, I've lived a lot since last we saw each other. Yeah. Went on vacation. That was nice. Yeah. Hawaii. It was fun. Hawaii. Did you like my uh, <clears throat> pre-recorded intro for the episode? I really did. I thought it was really well done. I actually remember when I received that, I literally said out loud, yes, that's exactly what I wanted for this. <laughs> it's, it's exactly what I pictured. I wasn't even thinking about it, but we were at a beach mm-hmm. in Hilo mm-hmm. and it was all black lava rocks and just giant waves crashing and it sounded so cool and i was just sitting there under a fig tree and i'm yeah. like oh yeah this would be the this place. is what it would i would imagine it sounds like yeah one take not to brag but but one take yeah. on both those that checks out <laughs> no it was good it was good man. Um, <laughs> yeah but it was rad drank some good beers yeah. uh, i wanted to bring you back a shirt from ola brewing my favorite I, spot there. i wanted that too they were sold out of larges but there might be one i could have messed with that extra large I didn't know. This shirt's an extra large, I think. It's, okay. I mean, it's obviously big for me, but it's cozy and, and roomy. It looks comfy. Yeah. Well, now I know. Cool. Fuck. Um, well, great, dude. Yeah, it was uh, a blast. Shout out to your industry friend. Oh, yeah. Met David Poole. I guess we talked about that on bonus at length. Yeah, you but... know his work, probably not his name. Yeah, exactly. David Poole is a special effects coordinator who has worked on movies like Waterworld, Face Off, all of the- Twilights. Uh, Twilights. Yeah. All of the newest Halloween movies. He's worked with Clint Eastwood, like Academy Award winning mm-hmm. special effects producer. Met him at a coffee stand in Kona. At a farmer's market. At a farmer's market. Cool. Uh, yeah. So that was rad. You should listen to our bonus episode on Patreon. Nice. If you're not on there to hear that at length. That was a good episode, by the way. We didn't even shout that out earlier. I was going to in the Patreon plug, but we just reviewed- um, four of the <laughs> hard mountain dews. Yeah, boy. Which came out. Johnny surprised me kind of because if you count a surprise as being something you forget about, mm-hmm. he surprised me. That is. It's a it's like second surprise. That was a 35-minute bonus episode, which is quite a bit longer <laughs> than usual. But we talked about, yeah, meeting David Poole and, and hard mountain dews and probably other shit, plane tickets. Airplane movies. Movies, that's what it was. Yep. Sorry. Yeah. yeah, it was fun. So you can hear more of that. Um, but yeah, it was really cool to get to meet him and talk about someone that's, you know, worked with Edgar Wright and mm-hmm. just learning and picking his brain about what it's like working with certain people. And it was it was fun. Yeah. If you're wondering, Clint Eastwood's grumpy. Yeah. Yeah. That's all we can say on this. But if you listen to the Patreon episode, boy, oh boy, did that guy have some stories. <laughs> Go right. subscribe, patreon.com slash Rush Exactly. Great. Uh, so yeah, it was a blast, man. And now we're back. I'm stoked we got into some movies. Um, but as per usual, mm. I am a TV guy. Been watching some things. You touched on House of the Dragon. I want to shout out my favorite show in the universe, Rick and Morty. Oh, okay, sure. Back Why? with season six. Season six, episode one just dropped. I think it's fantastic. You should be watching it if you're not. Uh, but I have a sleeper TV show that I can almost guarantee that you've never heard of. Okay. Lay it on me. I will not lie. Gendy Tartofsky's Primal. Uh, no, 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 I've not heard of that. So Primal is an animated, like kind of sci-fi-ish horror action adventure series that is on HBO Max. It was originally for, uh, Adult Swim. Okay. It's like late night Adult Swim programming. Uh, and it is one of the most unique cartoons I've ever watched in my life. Okay. There is not one single ounce of dialogue. Oh. 
It's it fun. Is, the story centers around Spear and Fang. Those are characters? Spear is kind of a Neolithic. How do you know his name's Spear? Credits. Okay. Yeah, and also like this, we watch everything with subtitles. We turned them off for this because we realized this is dumb. sure. Uh, but before we did, um, it was just like spear grunts. Mm-hmm. Then, yeah. Uh, so spear is the 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 male character, uh, kind of Neanderthal type caveman. Yeah. Uh, and then Fang is a quasi Tyrannosaurus Rex type dinosaur. Okay. Uh, bipedal. Tiny arms, you mm-hmm. get the idea. Yeah. Um, and this whole show is chronicling their life together, how they met, how they are okay. surviving, how they are fighting off enemies, and it is some compelling television. I never thought I would be so invested in two characters that don't say a word. Right. Uh, the animation is gorgeous to look at. Their adventures are wild and the last episode we watched, I think we're halfway through season one. There's two seasons available on HBO Max right now. Highly recommend. I think the new season's actually dropping. There's like two more episodes that are going to come out. Yeah. Uh, but the newest episode we watched, I think it was episode five of the first season. Some magic gets involved. Cool. So there's, it's like a it. very highly fictionalized world, obviously. Um, fantastic though like right. i didn't think i would like it as much as i did but we kind of stumbled across an episode mm-hmm. drunk while we were on vacation like on like the waterfront sure late at night you know just getting ready to wind down and we got sucked into the show and come to find out we watched like a middle of season two episode so we went back oh, and we found okay. it yeah and um it is completely exceeded all expectations and i think it's fantastic television uh, definitely not for children, just because it's a cartoon. Sure. Very, 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 very violent. It sounded like you said, uh, not for children, just because it's a cartoon. Like, specifically, don't watch it if you're a kid because it's a cartoon. <laughs> no. I know what you mean. Just because it's animated. No, it doesn't mean it's not good for the kids. whole family. Right. Uh, but no, it's it's really good. And I th- I think you would probably enjoy it. All right. I love the dynamic between the, the two characters. How long are the episodes? 20 minutes. Oh, okay, sweet. It's easy, digestible. You said HBO Max? Yep. All right, sweet. So check out Primal once again. That is Gendy's, Gendy Tarkatovsky's Primal All right. on HBO Max. Uh, can I actually, in the in the name of media, say a couple more things? Yeah. I watched a couple movies that I forgot about when I was sick last week. Okay. Uh, one being St. Maud. Do you Ooh, know about St. Maud? Yeah, how was yeah. it? It's really good. Okay. St. Maud's very good. Um, it's an, another movie that's been on my list. It's an A24 distributed movie. Um, came out, I think, technically 2019, but the States didn't see it till 2020. Um, it was directed by Rose Glass, and it follows this girl who's a who's a nurse at a hospital, but then leaves the hospital to do private caregiving. Um, it's played by, her name's uh, Morfid Clark. Morfid. She, yeah, M-O-R-F-Y-D-D. That's a s- sick name. Yeah, she plays Maude. Um, and it's, it's more of a character study on somebody who is on the fringes of society because of her very traditionalist religious beliefs and how that affects her day-to-day life and her interactions with her patients. Um, I went in thinking it was going to be a terrifying, scary movie, and it's not that, or it wasn't for me. It's scary in other ways, but not in, in a traditional horror sense. Which makes you like it more. It does, especially after ruminating for a while. So recommend St. Maud if you didn't catch it. And that's on... Um, I want to say I watched it on Hulu. Okay. I yeah. think I've seen that on Amazon Prime too. So it's out there. Yeah, it's out there. Um, the other one that I will not recommend is a new movie. I figured I'd try to stay current, and it's um, it's called Me Time. Hey, what was the other movie we almost covered? And I watched it, and you said we could watch this or we could skip the week because it looked like it has Jamie Foxx. Oh, uh, Day Shift. Watch Day Shift also. Um, but I'll just mention Me Time first. 
um, me time is with, uh, Mark Wahlberg and Kevin Hart. Yeah. And like Mark Wahlberg has been the party boy his whole life and he's turning like 40 or something. And he's like, Kevin Hart, come to my birthday. And he's like, I can't, I'm a family man now. And then sure enough, he goes to the party cause his wife goes out of town, whatever shenanigans, whatever. It's not very good. It's on Netflix. And it's like, I'll look real quick. It's a, uh, Oh, yeah, hour 45. It's way too long. It's really poorly written. It's made just to be put on Netflix to throw something on while your kids are wiping shit on the walls. Yeah. I don't know what kids do. If that's more than a tight 90, I'm out. It's it's not good. Um, But it was curious to me. I was like, well, let me see. Like, I like those guys. Kevin Hart's very funny. Mark Wahlberg can be funny. You look at a movie like The Other Guys. Other Guys is very good. Fuck, it's so yep. good. Um, I even think Mark Wahlberg's very funny in The Departed. Mm-hmm. He's got a really good comedic sense about him. But he does. this movie is just clearly meant to rake in money mm. from Netflix ads or however the fuck people make money on Netflix. Yeah. Um, the other one is Day Shift with Jamie Foxx. Um, he plays a vampire hunter. Yeah, how was that? Bad. Um, yeah. What sucks, dude, is that the first two thirds, and this is the strongest I felt about it, a weak third act in a long time, two thirds in the beginning, pretty great. Mm. There's a lot to work with. Um, what's his name? Uh, Dave Franco's in it. Okay. As uh, like, there's this whole world they try to build where there's a regulation agency, like you can hunt vampires, but you got to report to corporate. So he's corporate, Dave Franco. He's like a new up and comer and he's like way too uptight. He's like a pencil pusher and he goes out on the road and there's like those shenanigans, like the bad boy versus the nerd, mm-hmm. but they're on the same team. You can't do that. You're breaking the rules. There's great stuff. Like I'm going to report you to the boss. He's like, give me 24 hours to raise money to save my kid, whatever. That shit's great. And then by the end, it just kind of turns into predictable CGI battles and, and bad dialogue and like real, real bad to the Sound point like that it, I might like this one. No, it negates the first, maybe. It's it was entertaining. It was better than me time, kind of. Well, this this one's got like a horror aspect to it. No, it doesn't. It has an action aspect mm. that dresses up as horror gotcha. by making people with pointy teeth. Horror comedies are tough. Yeah, they're really not, hard to do. If you're not like Shaun of the Dead or Tucker and Dale, I love Tucker and Dale versus Evil, dude. Great movie. I need to watch that again. Um, yeah. So those are, those are three movies I wanted to shout out um, that I haven't written letterbox reviews for, so I was gonna forget them. Well, kudos for you for staying relevant with movies. Thank you, dude. Somebody's got to carry that torch in this I, movie. I thought podcast. the off chance, like one of them might be good. I'd throw it in the episode title, but they were both not worth it. So yeah. Well, and Plus that's, we already have two. And that's a word, you know, for me. You're you're filtering. Yes. You are doing for me what this podcast does for the world. Nice. Yeah. True. Okay. Um, sorry to cut you off. Did you have more stuff in Hot and Bothered? No, that was it. Okay. Vacation was dope. Hawaii is rad. I'm not going to say more than great. that because That's, it's, yeah, great. Man. You don't need to. Yeah. It's awesome. Um, all right. Well, lots of recommendations, lots of stuff to steer clear of. Of course, uh, as always, there's lots of that in the world. Um, so, you know, find us on Letterboxd if you want. That's a good way to stay. Uh, if you're looking for recommendations, um, do you have anything else on anything we've covered today? Uh, no. Watch Marcel the shell. Yeah, that. Uh, see Hong for Jesus if you want. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're passing through Yuba City, maybe hit up Sutter Buttes. Mm-hmm. They've got some promising beers that are, if nothing else, pretty close to stylistically true, at least with the uh, Hefeweizen. That's right. Roll through and say hi to Chad. As always, this show wouldn't be what it is without the support of Bailey Minardi. Special thanks to all of our patrons on Patreon. One more shout out to Jared Schmidt, whose birthday it is the day of this episode releasing. Happy birthday, my friend. Um, if you haven't yet, check out the handlebar. Sick ass happy hour, seven days a week, to you know the deal. We're not gonna say it again. <laughs> and that's Johnny Summers. That's Max Minardi. Be good to each other. Watch some some fun movies, maybe some dinosaurs, maybe some shells. Who knows? Either way, we'll see you next week. This is Fresh Hop Cinema.